Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by Hotels.com. in the mouth first game. I knew we was going to be ready tonight. Jason Tatum delivering in the clutch for the Seas. But the way he was looking at me really didn't sit well with me. I mean, this is as intense as it gets. Warper gets by Giannis and throws it down and one. Nobody says it's going to be easy. And at the end of the day, we know what the deal is now. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by Hotels.com. I'm Malika Andrews, and we start the show with the all-important Game 5 tonight in Boston. And I don't want to waste any time here because there's three things that I'm going to be paying very close attention to in this matchup. Number one, it is the Jays, because in only one game this series, Game 2, have both Jason and Jalen scored 20 or more points. And by the way, they won that game by 23 points. And yeah, Grant Williams, he added 21. But it started with Jalen Brown in the first quarter Exploding for 17 and setting the tone. If that happens, if both of them can get going in this game five, it might be trouble for Milwaukee, particularly if Milwaukee can't decide who is going to be a secondary scorer. Where can they find that? Well, perhaps when they're missing Chris Middleton, it'll be the other member of their big three. It'll be Drew Holiday because remember, Drew in the wins, he's averaging 25 points, but in the losses, he's averaging 17.5 points, shooting 30% from the field. So if they can get a little bit more production from him and then maybe a side of Bobby Portis with a little bit of Grayson Allen, then they'll really be cooking, particularly if Giannis, the closer, shows up. And look, I don't need to stand here and talk about Giannis's toughness. We all know how much of a freak he is, literally. The only reason that we're bringing this up is with five minutes left in the last game, Mike Budenholzer had to bring him to the bench. That's how tired he was. And they were down by three at that point. We've seen Giannis do this. He showed up in game six of the finals. He had more than 42 minutes that he was playing in that game. Plus, he had 13 points in the final quarter. Giannis can do it. If that shows up, if that version of Giannis is there in game five, hoo-wee, they might have the lead heading back to Milwaukee. So those are the things I'm going to be keeping my eye on. But I hear a couple of champions. They may have some keys to game five that they want to explore. Richard, what you got? Well, we're going to transition from talking about Batman with no Robin to Batman and Penguin. So we're going to go over <laughs> the entire set, and we're going to go over our keys. And here are our keys for tonight. So shooting, Perk, what is your thing? What do you got for the shooting? Who you got? I got the Celtics. You know why? They have home court advantage. And who plays better at home? The role players. Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Al Horford, although he played well on the road. But at home, role players play better, so they will shoot the ball better. See, for me on the Bucks side, I think they're going to need more shooting. You look at this. Giannis was 0 for 4 last game. Drew Holiday 1 for 6, and Allen 1 for 4. That's only 33%. They're going to need to get that up to 38 to 40%. I believe that they can do it, but that's the only way to open up things for Giannis. Drew Holiday. 
Holiday. Who's your X Factor player? A person that has not been available for the Bucks, and I mean literally Bobby Portis. I'm going with Bobby Portis. He has to do something. He has not been, he has not made his print on this game, on this series. He has to step up, help Giannis. I feel like he can have some mismatches down low in the paint. We know what he brings to the table. He's kind of like the heart and soul of this Bucks team. Yeah, and see, for me, it's Al Horford. Al Horford has been the MVP for this for this team. He dominated against the Brooklyn Nets, played outstanding, and then just his performance, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with arguably the best player in the world and dominating, playing outstanding, knocking down threes, doing everything that you needed for him on the defensive end and the offensive end. All right, fourth quarter execution. What you got? Pop that pretty face, that handsome face back up on the screen. Oh, we on the same <laughs> side. We on the we, same we side. We on the same side. I'm going with the Celtics. Look, late game, hanging their hats on the defensive end, but the Jays, Jason Tatum, right? His ability to take over ball games and reach that area of being a superstar right before our very own eyes. But then there's others that are not afraid of the moment. Al Horford, we saw what he did in the fourth quarter on the road, but they late game execution, playing the gender-free basketball has been a beautiful thing to see. It has been, and again, we're going to go back to the Bucks With no Chris Middleton, that fourth quarter execution had been struggling. They're playing closer to the type of Bucks basketball that took them out before they won the championship than Middleton evolved into that late game closer finisher setup guy. So they don't have him. That's why in the fourth quarter they have struggled late in both games. They need somebody else to step up because they can't play that old basketball. And the winner, who you got, Big Perk? I got the Celtics winning. I got the Celtics winning this series. I got them winning tonight. The Boston Garden is going to be rocking. These guys are going to come out with it with on, on, on the mission tonight. And also, look, I saw something last game. Look at Jalen Brown. Hey, oh. they're not, they not afraid of Giannis right now. They actually want this smoke. Jason Tatum is playing aggressive, and we know big Al Horford right now is on the mission. Yeah, and I got the Boston Celtics also. Really, like, we go from Big Perk, A.K. Penguin, to me, <laughs> Richard Jefferson, and my winner right now is the Boston Celtics well, because, you what know what? They that dude, I don't have a nickname. Just OG, man, Mr. Smooth, <laughs> A.K.A. Mr. Brown Mocha. That's what I <laughs> I thought it was bronze burgundy. Bronze burgundy. They call me bronze burgundy. You know? All right, I knew I was going to need my stress ball today for a reason. All right, that's tonight. I want to shift gears, though, to the team that the Celtics beat in the first round. The Nets. Oh, the Nets. Head coach Steve Nash. Talk to you. They addressed what reporters the... today for the first time. <laughs> wow. Here is Mark. How did you do that? It's magic. It's magic. Let's listen to Sean Marks on Kyrie Irving and his future in Brooklyn. Reminder that Irving has a player option that he is yet to sign. Oh. Is the organization committed to Kyrie long term? Yeah, look, I think that's something we've been discussing and we will continue to debrief on and discuss throughout this uh, offseason. And it's, it's honestly not just Kyrie. I mean, you bring Kyrie up, but we have decisions to make on, on a variety of different free agents. Um, we haven't had any of those discussions yet, so it would be unfair for me to comment on you know, how it looks with, with us and Kyrie because, to be quite frank, he has some decisions to make on his own. So he has to look... Um, at what he's going to do with his player option and so forth like that. Sean, you mentioned the conversations are always ongoing with Kevin. Do you still get the sense that he views Kyrie as that foundational piece that he wants to move forward with in the next few years here? 
Yeah, I actually have not had that conversation with Kevin, but at the end of the day, I mean, more often than not, it's, you know, it's, it's myself making those decisions. And, you know, it's not me going to Kevin saying, do you want this person? Do you want that person? Who do you want back? I don't think that's fair to place that on Kevin. Now, is he surprised by anything? Absolutely not. Because he will know ahead of time what we're doing and what we plan on doing with, to be, to be honest, the entire roster. All right, back at the desk mm. with Richard Kendrick and senior writer Ramona Shelburne. Ramona, I want to yeah. start with you here. From all of the reporting that you've done, what's the next step for Kyrie and the Nets here? Well, look, this is the Nets, Sean Marks basically trying to reset the culture here. This is him saying, I'm in charge. Josiah's in charge. That whole comment that Kyrie made at the end of the season of me and Kevin and along with Joe and Sean. <laughs> That comment, that did not go over well, as you can tell. And this was a big reset, I thought, from management to say we're in charge. And even the comment where he's asked by, I think that was Nick Friedell asking that question, yep. saying, you know, have you had a conversation with Kevin about that? And he says, I haven't, but he's never surprised by anything. In other words, I make that decision. More often than not, I'm the one who makes that decision. Now, saying that and actually doing it are two very different things. And I think the big question the Nets have to answer first is, what happens with Kyrie Irving and his player option? If he picks it up, they can extend him. Do you offer that extension, or do you say, we want to see how you do this year? So, big Richard, question. you moonlight for the Nets as an analyst. You played for them. How do you see all of this playing out? Well, I, I agree with Ramona. They're trying to gain back. Some of the things that made the Nets such an attractive free agency destination for KD yep. and for Kyrie is the culture. It was Kenny Atkinson. It was Sean Marks. It mm -hmm. was Joe Side. the culture that was building. Uh, then they show up. And they're, they're working, they're adding in different players, but they did lose a bit of their culture. And look, there's an, we're going to talk about the Lakers later in the show. We're going to talk about both these teams and both these the, the um, kind of the message sent from both of these franchises are we were unhappy. Well, we can do all the talking we want. We want to see what you are going to do to change because what's currently working mm. has not been working, not at the level that everyone mm. expects us to be. So I, I don't mind all the talking done here in May, in June, in July, and all that stuff. It's more about what's going to happen when we know there's going to be another moment. That's just the way the NBA is, and we'll see what happens. Well, I actually love the talking from Sean Marks because I think you got to start from somewhere. Yep. And I think, you know, going Kyrie Irving way and Kevin Durant way, it hasn't gotten you nowhere, definitely not to the, the ultimate goal. And it's caused you more problems than it has success. So I actually love Sean Marks coming out publicly and speaking on Kyrie Irving and speaking on the culture and the whole situation at hand because he's listening along with Kevin Durant. And I also love how he took control and said, yes, I'm going to make the decisions, but would Kevin Durant be surprised? No, I'm going to let him know, meaning that I'm still going to let KD have some type of input, but ultimately I'm going to be the one that's in charge, and I think you got to start from somewhere, and I applaud Sean Marks for doing that. Well, as you can imagine, Ben Simmons was also a hot topic in this, and Marks mm -hmm. was asked about Simmons and how they plan on <sighs> working him into the fold. Take a listen. Regarding Ben, I think... Post-surgery now, um, I don't want to speak for him, but I can, I can sense there's a relief. Um, there's a new lease on life. So your question is, how do we 
support him, you know, through his the mental performance side of things. And you know, I think that's a touchy subject, right? I don't want to talk about somebody's mental health or mental performance. You know, I'm going to let Ben address that at the correct time. And so we're going to be doing everything we possibly can to get him around our group. That that is the key. He needs to be in here, smell the gym again, around his friends, around his family, around, to be quite frank, and, and participate in, in this and let us help him, you know, build the culture together, build up together, build him up, build him back up, because as Steve alluded to, he is a big, big part of this. Mm. That word culture was used a whole lot as yeah. Marks was, was speaking today. But Ramona, what exactly does Ben Simmons need to do before he can get on the court for Brooklyn? Well, look, he's coming off a back surgery. And Sean Marks also said when they did an MRI on his back after the season, after he complained of having a soreness before, before that final game, um, it showed the herniation had gotten bigger. And so that's why he ended up having surgery. I know they went to three or four different surgeons. They all agreed he should have surgery. That takes about six weeks before you get back in the gym. But they expect him to make a full return physically before training camp. It's it's the fact that they're talking about trying to help him with ment his mental health work. That's important, and that's the Sixers wanted to do the same thing. But Ben wasn't interested in that because he didn't have trust in their franchise. He wanted to do it on his own. So let's see how much of this is physical and how much of this is mental. So knowing all of that, Perk, what's your biggest question with the Nets this offseason? Um, <clears throat> it's the culture, right? And I appreciate Sean Marks talking about it. But mm -hmm. again, how do you make Kevin Durant happy? But because all what yeah. Kyrie had going on, Kevin Durant has been 100% in. So how do you make Kevin Durant happy? Because sooner or later, you got to think yep. about it. At some point, Kevin Durant, if things keep going the way that they're going, he's going to get aggravated yeah. and get pissed off. And you don't want a chance of, of losing Kevin Durant, KD arguably, you know, a top five player in this game today. So that's the biggest question, Mark. Making sure that you keep Kevin Durant happy. No, I, I agree. That is the most important thing. And look, to your point, Whatever they've, been doing, whatever they've been doing has not, work, has not been working, right? They lose in the first round. And one thing that was really kind of shocking, mm -hmm. I think, to everyone is their performance in the first round. Now, they had a couple of games that could go either way. But if your first round performance is any indication yeah. of how actually far away you are from winning a championship, that should scare the ownership. That should scare the coaching. That should scare Kevin Durant. That should scare every single body involved with that organization that you could not get one win against the Boston Celtics who are, you know, in a position now to continue on. And so for them to be the betting favorite and to get done the way they did, to really just get punked in that first round, that should scare everyone. Mm. Kevin did them a huge favor, though, by signing a long-term extension. Yes, he did. Okay, mm -hmm. so he doesn't have any leverage there. In a, in a lot of ways, the organization has a has the leverage back because he signed that long-term extension. Yep. you got to keep him happy, yes, but he's the constant there. He's locked in. Some other decisions the Nets are going to need to make this offseason include players like Bruce Brown, LaMarcus Aldridge, Nick Claxton, all yep. set to hit free agency. Still ahead, though, on NBA Today, was Embiid the biggest reason for Philly's listless performance last right night? Now, I'm not here for no Embiid slander today. Well, we'll also <laughs> get his thoughts on losing the MVP perk, which I also know you have some input on. Plus, the absolute latest oh. on Jaws' knee listed as doubtful. We'll explain why a bone bruise may keep him out for the rest of the postseason. And from pain to more pain, the Lakers had a season to forget. Jeannie Buss sounds off on her Lakers squad all of that ahead on Do you get that Jeannie on? Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish.
shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic in tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. NBA Today is presented by Hotels.com. Find your perfect somewhere. <laughs> Welcome back to NBA Today presented by Hotels.com. Let's go down to Miami last night Ooh, where okay. it did not go so well for the 76ers. Yeah, that's an understatement. Joel Embiid, mm. his face mask still on. Take a look at Deadman on this play, though. Oh, it hurts, ball. and I don't want to watch it. <laughs> it hurts me to watch this. in the face. Remember, he still mm. has that orbital fracture that he's dealing with. That oh, so oh. incredibly painful. Not so much right here or right here. Yeah, no one right can see what you're there. pointing to, because but I know that hurts, and I know Joel Embiid is some tough, people, Some people man. got the joke. But... <laughs> Fourth quarter, we take over and just look. Watch this. This is there's not. What are you supposed to do here? Like, there is no good basketball being played. In one on league, five, in my opinion, that's not quality basketball. Not going against one of the best defensive teams in the league, and they make you pay in transition. Bam, out of the bayou, as my guy Big Perk tries to enunciate that. <laughs> and then here, James Hart. He just he tried to. I feel like he tried to get back to that flow that he had last yeah, game, but little. that's not who he is. Right, so he looks like force he's forcing it. it a little bit. The Heat won forcefully. Here's Doc Rivers after the game. They were just more physical. Uh, we, we didn't run anything. We didn't run our stuff very well. We um, played at a snail's pace. I think, what did we have, 83, 85 shots, um, turned the ball over. Uh, they gave up. I mean, everything they did tonight was harder and better. Uh, their, their stuff was better than what we ran. Uh, their energy was better. Their toughness was better. Uh, I haven't said that very often about us, and that's on all of us. That's on me to make sure they're ready, and that's on them to be ready. Uh, tonight we were not. I want to watch the tape or burn the tape. I'm not sure which one. I'll probably watch it uh, because I have to, and then I'll burn it. Yeah, he should mm. burn it. I think that's Oh, smart. my God, yeah. Um, a bit of news. Kyle Lowry traveling with Miami, but he is out for game six. So we can all agree this just was not a good performance <laughs> from the 76ers. No. But, Perk, was this more about Miami or the 76ers? Well, I mean, Miami, they have their culture. They did what mm -hmm. they were supposed to do and protect home court. But I think it's more about Philly. Right? When you think about Joel and B, you think about James Harden. And I'm just tired of all the slander to Joel and B. Oh, he was supposed to come out. He was supposed to be mad. He didn't win MVP. He was supposed to make a statement. When it comes down to guys dealing with adversity in the NBA, nobody has dealt with more than Joel and B this season. And the fact that he's out there on the floor, we saw him get hit in the face. We saw him get right back up. The fact that he's present. Can somebody pick him up? Can he lean on somebody else? Can somebody else take the load off of him for one second? Well, that's the conversation we've been having about James Harden so much. But just when you look at the stats, 36% from the field, 28% from three. They had 15 free throws and 15 turnovers. Now, just think about that. Joel Embiid averages 10 on the season. Uh, James Harden is one of the most historic free throw uh, shooters that we've seen in his ability to create contact. None of that was going on. So it was like you look at it on the offensive end, and then you have 53% from Miami and 39% from three. So you were doing nothing on the offensive end. You were doing nothing on the defensive end. Your quality of basketball was not up to your standard yeah. or up to like what your team is trying to accomplish. So ultimately, I 
I look at this and it was both. It was Miami locked in and Philly not and you get the worst loss in Doc Rivers history. That's the combo. Well and Ramona has a great piece up on ESPN.com right now that's mm -hmm. basically about revisionist history and it's looking at things through that scope and you essentially pose the question what if the Sixers had kept Jimmy rather than Oof. Ben Simmons? And how about you answer that question now? How different would that be when you're looking through this scenario? I mean, there's a lot of what ifs when you look at the Sixers, right? What if they would have drafted Jason Tatum instead of Markel Fultz? <laughs> what if they would have kept Jimmy instead of... Oh, sorry. That, no, that's painful that, like, here. Hurt I know. Here. Um, but, like, here's, the, here's what happened. Jimmy Butler gets there, and Jimmy Butler needs the ball in his hands. Not a great three-point shooter, better than Ben Simmons, but not known as a three-point shooter. And they immediately become pitted against each other because they both need the ball. And it made Ben Simmons very uncomfortable and the organization eventually got to a point where they realized, okay, we gotta have to choose. It's not gonna work out between these two. Um, wow, how different it would be, right? Because Joel Embiid, yeah. while he and Jimmy initially, it took him some time to become friends, Jimmy became a mentor to Joel and I've talked to him about it a bunch over the years. Like Jimmy taught him how to be a pro. You hire your own workout guy, you hire your own chef, you you train to five in the way. Like the, the level of commitment you need to have to be a professional, that that passion and that fire that Jimmy has, that's where Joel Embiid learned that. Yeah. That's where he learned that like he became a they still talk every single day. Yeah. To the point where a couple years ago when they were losing in the playoffs, Jimmy was watching Joel's games and sending him notes saying, You need to be aggressive. This is how I know you would think you need to get everybody else involved but you need to lead this team and be aggressive imagine Jimmy saying that to him now in the huddle on his own team rather than dropping the hammer for the heat against him they made, they made a mistake they made they made they legitimately and and when we say this is that you understand like we can go back and look at it but I think in this moment when you're like hey Ben Simmons is young we believe yep. in his long-term growth we believe in him right like he was even the year last season uh, before everything went crazy he was up there for defensive player of the year so no one could foresee everything mm -hmm. that has happened and so to have Jimmy go and Jimmy was a little bit older he was looking for a fifth year all of those things that they decided against this wasn't just the choosing between Ben Simmons there was some Tobias Harris talking there because they were gonna get yep. Tobias Harris a fifth year so it wasn't just those two there was a little bit of going on between all of them but at the end of the day they made the wrong decision and the best decision that they ever did was to move on from Ben Simmons and say you know that old blank your feelings that's what this is about this is professional sports and we're trying to win and we're trying to maximize Joel Embiid's time because he's a top five player in the league mm. Hindsight is 2020. You can see the Heat try to close out the Sixers as part of our Thursday night doubleheader at 7 Eastern. That's followed by the Suns and the Mavs. Our countdown crew gets it all started at 630 Eastern 330 Pacific. Still ahead, our injury expert fills you in on why exactly a bone bruise has jaw as doubtful for the remainder of the playoffs. And then on the flip side of all of that, how exactly were the Warriors able to execute down the stretch? We're talking about closing mentality. That's coming up shortly. Plus, Jeannie Buss on the Lakers season that was. Some surprising quotes from her and how that might impact their offseason in L.A. NBA Today continues when we return. Walk the walk. Let's not talk the talk, these teams. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Beach vacation over camping? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. 
set to send a message, be aggressive at all times. Just be Jot. Breakout season full of explosive dunks, flashy dimes, slippery handles. It may have come to a close for the NBA's most improved player, Ja Morant. The Grizzlies star point guard has a bone bruise in his right knee and is considered doubtful for the remainder of the playoffs. That's what the team announced on Tuesday. And the Grizzlies said Morant had an MRI that revealed the extent of the injury. Memphis will be without their star guard for a second straight game as the Grizzlies try to avoid elimination against the Golden State Warriors at home in game five tonight. So we now welcome in ESPN injury analyst and senior writer Stefania Bell. Stefania, you're also a licensed physical therapist. For those of us that don't know, what exactly is a bone bruise and, and what makes it so severe? Malika, this is a very unfortunate name for this injury because you hear bruise and you think it's a black and blue. It's something you'd play through. But remember, when you have a bruise on your skin, that black and blue is bleeding. So when you have a bone bruise, it represents bleeding in the bone. It's an injury to the bone architecture on a very, very tiny level. But those trabecula, they're called, when they break, it's called a trabecular microfracture. That's actually another term for a bone bruise. So again, hmm. you can see on the picture, you get bleeding in there. It takes a while for bone to heal and bone has nerve endings. It is painful. So that is what makes it so severe. You have to wait for those symptoms to resolve before you can begin any kind of impact. Well, there's been so much chatter off the court in this series and, and Taylor Jenkins and others questioning that pool with that, that play with Jordan Poole rather. Is it possible to sustain that type of injury on that type of play? Look, I suppose anything's possible and without the benefit of the specifics of Jaws injury or talking to the player, which is actually how we collate information about an injury, it's hard to say for sure. But if you look at how he plays, high impact, he is explosive. And even earlier in that game, he did have a couple incidents where he bumped me specifically one time with Clay Thompson. Mm. We see bone bruises that often accompany hyperextensions of the knee when the knee is forced into a position beyond its normal range and the ends of the bones touch where they don't usually make contact and that can create a bruising. So it, it, it's less likely that it happened on that play. But again, we don't know the specifics from here. In any case, it can take weeks to resolve, sometimes months if it's very severe. How would that impact a player with, with Jaws kind of explosive style here? We have to remember the bone is a weight-bearing structure. And so it really depends on the size of the bruise and the actual location of it. If it's big, obviously it takes longer to resolve. And if it's on a weight-bearing surface, then every time you're running, every time you're going up for the ball, every time you're landing, you're impacting that area. And so if it's painful, you can be pushing through an injury that can potentially lead to a true fracture. And that's why for a player who's explosive and dynamic as John Moran is, you really want it to resolve so you don't put him at risk for further injury. Stefania, thank you so much for spending some time with us and explaining that very complicated injury to us here on NBA Today. Really appreciate it. All right, I want to bring it back with the guys here, though. Your initial reaction, Kendrick, I, I think I heard it from my house when you were downtown when you saw that he's doubtful for the remainder of Yeah, the yeah, you probably right. I passed out. I passed <laughs> and then out. The and I was hurt. Yeah, I mean, because listen, here's the thing, right? We're watching a guy that could possibly be it's the okay. face of the NBA, John Morant, a superstar, a guy that was averaging 38 
He's averaging 38 in this series, dominating the Warriors. Then all of a sudden, this happened. Uh, see, it, look, for me, one, I find it a little bit curious that they're saying that he's out already. This is like, if you're saying, right. I'm saying that to me, it, it's like, I know we've seen teams getting fined for different ways. And it's like, look, wouldn't you want to release this information? Like, maybe before the game or just have it doubtful and then say out for tonight because what you want to do in a game in a game like this is you want to keep the Warriors on edge is he going to play is he not going to play this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to prep I'm just saying what you mean keep the Warriors on edge like they didn't been the five finals though. no but I, 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 it's no I, no it's not edge it's just like for, it's no, it's for, not, for yeah, preparation yeah. what do you and so so the yeah. Memphis Grizzlies are like we should just announce this they've been the five finals no. that shouldn't be their mindset we know that bro it was his same leg like this was the same injury that but he why had. why announced it so early? Have I people, think the point people is... people getting fined by the NBA? But you don't have to announce, announce it this early, bro. They're going to announce it sooner or later. Yeah, so later is better than sooner. Oh, if that's your argument, you tripping it. As a journalist, I do appreciate the transparency from oh. the Memphis Grizzlies on this. But I, I do think, to your point, though, Richard, I was about to help you out. Never mind. Thank God. <laughs> do me a favor. Don't do me no favors. Done. <laughs> Still ahead on NBA Today, the Lakers genie bus on why her team failed to meet expectations this postseason this past season some surprising quotes you'll want to hear that's next on NBA today what do you need I, I know I was gonna ball a paper and throw it but I decided to keep it because I needed the notes yeah you, you uh, use notes Robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need Robert half our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Just feel like you can't catch a break. You know, when it rains, it pours for our year. The most frustrating part is not being sure of what we could have been. Who would have thought that the Lakers would not even make the playoffs? A lot of soul searching to take place during the offseason. Our goal was to win the championship. We didn't get it done. We can't make no, no excuses about it. <laughs> so Lakers Governor Jeannie Buss expressed her frustration to the LA Times yesterday, saying, quote, I'm growing impatient because we had the fourth highest payroll in the league. And when you spend that kind of money, you expect to go deep into the playoffs. I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. So much to unpack here with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. They came into the season with title aspirations. They failed to make the playoffs. Richard's taking notes. Lakers owner Jeannie Buss clearly isn't happy with the outcome. So, Ramona, you are locked in on all things Lakers. How can things change next year? Well, it starts by talking like this. It starts by, you know, we just talked about Sean Marks talking tough, right, trying to reset the culture. I think Jeannie Buss was trying to reset some of how they had approached their team building and how the franchise had been run. But it, she also said something very clearly, which is, I fully support Rob Palenka. I believe in him. I think he's a really smart guy. Mm. Um, she, she, you know, they've already fired the coach. You see, that's probably their big change to this offseason. Um, and th in other words, there's not going to be that much change in the front office. I know their fans get frustrated there, but she did. There was something later in the article that I thought was interesting, and there was a note of saying if this happens again next year, um, her patience will not necessarily be there. And I think 
she stopped short of saying there's a timeline on this, but it, 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 there was kind of a, a line drawn of when this isn't going to go on forever, right? Did this isn't going to go this way for as long as it's not going to be ad infinitum, right? And then I think that was an important thing for her to say because the last time she started talking like this, she fired her brother and Mitch Kupchak and everybody around. Mm. Mm. Well, that's true. Well, I mean, let me. <laughs> I mean, no, I was listening to everything you said. I'm just, I, I mean, like, I'm just tired of the Lakers. I get you. I know, I'm with, but let's, can, we, with, can we at least discuss a couple ahead. things? Like, like Jeannie, What's your point? Jeannie's one of the most respected people in, in this industry and in all of sports. Like, she's seen mm -hmm. it all, done it all, all the rings, everything. Mm -hmm. The last two years, they lost in the first round and they didn't make the playoffs. And she's like, one more year of this and I'm going to lose my temper. Like, Jeannie. I know you have smart people around you. This mix of whatever it is is probably not going to lead to a conference finals berth, in my in my opinion, humble opinion. You know the Nets and Lakers, two yep. it like two organizations that you felt like had chemistry issues. The the, the betting odds favorite to go on. You know how many wins they combined for in the postseason this year? Zero. <laughs> Zero wins. Zero by the Nets. Lakers didn't even make it. So I'm just saying these teams are so far away. Yeah. This ain't a tweak. This ain't like, last time they didn't make the postseason, they added Anthony Davis, right? Like yeah. there is no help like that coming on either of those two teams. So for the Lakers, you have to do something. You got to mix it in. And just changing the coach, the person that, you know, you got rid of Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel just won a championship for you. So he has a voice. He has a reputation. Mm -hmm. So to go try and find somebody to replace him that's going to be the change in the organization, you need a lot more than just just a new coach. I think there was also some uh, some other interesting comments um, where she she goes on the record to confirm. I still talk to Magic Johnson. I talk to Phil Jackson all the time. And and you know somebody who's covered the team very closely for over a decade. Like it always kind of surprises me when that feels newsworthy because that's how it's been. Mm -hmm. Like she's always talked to Phil Jackson. In fact, they were engaged for a time. They've been really close friends. This is always this has gone on for a long time. Magic Johnson used to work there. He sees him it's sort of like a a brother to her. I know that whole thing happened in 2019, which was weird, okay, where he yeah. steps down and doesn't tell her, but he's like a brother, it's family. And so I think it's because of the magnitude of names that are involved, it always feels newsworthy, but these are the people she's always talked to. Yeah, and that's, and that's the problem, right? Like you need one voice, you need one shot caller, one person that's gonna be able to think for themselves and run the organization the for themselves. Like, you know what I mean? They have too many chiefs and not enough Indians mm. at the end of the day. Everybody Great. want the power, everybody want their voice to be heard, everybody want the, the decision to be the decision maker. You can't do that. Like, one person need to call the shots, go in this direction, this is what it's going to be. We're going to hire this coach. We can come together collectively. But this is what it is. Like well, It's interesting, though, because she says, I'm a collaborative person. And the way her dad ran the franchise was essentially, I trust my basketball people. I trust people whose opinion I, who, whose opinion I respect. She obviously respects Phil Jackson's opinion, Magic Johnson's opinion. Yeah. So it's just a leadership style. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what, you know, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> You know who else is going that? to have something to say about who? all this, though? Ooh. LeBron James. And here's what you say to the LA Times no, about this. <laughs> it's normal when you have a top player or players, you bounce things off of them. I think that's smart business. Do they have final say? No, Buss said when asked if LeBron and Clutch Sports are running the Lakers. Are they running the team? No, no, not at all. I'm the controlling owner of the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm held accountable for every decision that's made here. So, Ramona, yeah. what role does LeBron have in this decision-making process? Oh, he's he's involved. Like, they, they wouldn't, I mean, going back to Magic Johnson, anybody watch Winning Time? 
Like I mean, every yeah, we know okay, right yeah. right? Like the, uh, this is how you. This is how every franchise in the NBA is run. I mean, the, you always talk to your star player. Mm -hmm. Now the the question is, how much do you talk to them and how much do you listen to them? Okay, mm -hmm. you advise them, you get their opinion. Um, with, with, with they started to reset that dynamic last year at the trade deadline. I mean, they did not do what LeBron clearly wanted them to do, and that's holding the line. And you know, we'll see if that goes forward. I mean, that, that's happened in the past before where they didn't hire the coach he wanted, Tyron Lue, and he still showed up and he was supportive, and it's, by all accounts, seems like he's still on board. Well, I mean, he, I think at this point, LeBron has no choice because he played a huge role in the personnel yep. that they bought in this offseason. He That's played right. a major part in bringing in Russell Westbrook. And you finished, what, almost 20 games below 500, didn't mm. even make the play-in terms. Mm -hmm. So at this point, really, LeBron don't really have a, a, a gripe. He don't really have a, you know, he can't complain. He's in the Maldives <laughs> drinking Lobos. <laughs> He's chilling right now. I'm not taking advice from somebody that's yep. just drinking tequila in the first round. I'm sorry right now. I'm just all, all kidding aside. You should take advice from your best player. You should yeah. because your best player is the one that's going to have to cook the meal, right? If you're going to have to make the meal, you should be able to pick some of the groceries. That's what that that's true. Yeah. If you got to make the meal, that. I'm just yeah, that. That. Hey, see that? That Bill Parcells that said was, that. Yeah, Bill Parcells. I'm not saying Richard the meal Jefferson is going to be good. That's enough. Things <laughs> are not in the postseason anymore. Let's get back to the playoffs because still ahead, Joel Embiid. He did not win MVP. <laughs> But was that a reason why he played poorly last night, our panel on all things Joel, when we return after this? Man, if you go cook a meal, you should pick Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, presented by Hotels.com. Welcome back to NBA Today, presented by Hotels.com. Game 5, Warriors versus Grizzlies. That's tonight in Memphis. Golden State, they had shoot-around earlier today, and they prepare to close out this series and try to advance to the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2019. So check out this stat, courtesy of our producer, Caesar. In a best-of-seven clinching games, Steve Kerr has the best win percentage in NBA history among coaches with 15 games of experience. His teams win those games 71% of the time. So the Warriors, they held shoot around this morning. Steph Curry, he leads the Warriors, averaging 28 a game this postseason. Our NBA reporter Kendra Andrews is on site with the team, and she joins us now. So, Kendra, what's the game plan for the Warriors as they try to close out this Game 5? Well, Malika, acting head coach Mike Brown says that the Warriors are really emphasizing the way they start the game. He says every single game this series, we've started off very frantically, and that's resulted in a lot of turnovers and missed shots. He says, I like the energy we've been coming in with, but we have to find a way to channel it properly where we don't miss their first 15 three-point attempts every single night. But Brown also said, look, for the past year, I've been the defensive coordinator, right? During practices, Steve Kerr and Kenny Atkinson have been on one side of the court working on offense, while I've been on the other side 
side of the court working on defense. So he hasn't been as in tune with their offensive game plan. And he was really learning on the fly mm. in game four when he was thrust into the head coaching seat. But he said over the past 24 hours, it's felt like he was studying for a college exam the way that he was studying that playbook. And he feels a lot more confident and comfortable with their game plan tonight. But Malika, I also asked Stephen Curry what the plan was tonight. And he just turned around and looked at me and said, whoop that trick. That <laughs> is our game plan. Oh, my goodness, taking their own catchphrase and putting it back. Thank you so much, Kendra. I really appreciate the time here on NBA Today. So here are the favorites to win the title, according to Caesar Sportsbook. Two Western Conference teams lead the pack with the Warriors and the Suns. They are followed by the Celtics, the Heat, and the Bucks. NBA legend Bob Lanier has died after a short illness. The Hall of Famer, an eight-time All-Star, had worked for the league as a global ambassador, and Lanier played 14 seasons with the Pistons and the Bucks. He averaged 20 points and 10 rebounds per game. So for more on the life, the career, and the legacy of Bob Lanier, here's ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Naismith Hall of Famer Bob Lanier played center for the Detroit Pistons and Milwaukee Bucks within an era that bridged immortal big men. Wilt Chamberlain to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Willis Reed to Moses Malone. Lanier was an all-star among all-stars. Big guy heads to the hoop, off glass to Lanier, to Bob Lanier. How do you stop that? No way. A deft left-handed hook backed with the brute strength of a buffalo winter. As a young man in that upstate New York town, he eventually earned a scholarship to nearby St. Bonaventure University and transformed the Bonnies into the smallest school to ever advance to an NCAA Final Four. He ascended to the number one overall draft pick of the Detroit Pistons in 1970, fresh off the first of several knee injuries that limited his mobility and left him playing in pain for much of his 14-year NBA career. Beyond the court, Lanier's life forever stood on the side of progress and principle, beginning with his joining of Abdul-Jabbar, Elvin Hayes, and Spencer Haywood in declining invitations to play for Team USA in the 1968 Mexico City Olympics, a protest born of the treatment of black Americans stateside. He was voted the president of the National Basketball Players Association and played an immense role in the union's advances in collective bargaining. And for decades, Lanier worked alongside commissioners David Stern and Adam Silver on important NBA initiatives like Stay in School and Read to Achieve. He was the ambassador of ambassadors for the NBA, traveling hundreds of thousands of miles around the world to share in his love of education and basketball. Deciding to stay in school is one of the most important things you will ever do in your life. His are literally the biggest shoes to fill. Those size 19s made famous in appearances everywhere from his MVP performance in the 1974 All-Star Game to a beer commercial to the ticket window at the entrance of the old Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield. Bob Lanier was 73 years old, a giant in life, 
a giant for the ages. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said Lanier was among the most talented centers in league history and added that his accomplishments went far beyond what he did on the court. Bob Lanier was 73 years old. NBA Today continues after this. NBA Today is presented by Hotels.com. Find your perfect somewhere. Welcome back to NBA Today. So let's revisit Embiid's scare last night. You can see here, he goes down mm. after going for a rebound. And Dwayne Dedman, he actually hit the ball into Embiid's face. Now, he's obviously in pain. He didn't play particularly well, especially from that point forward. Along with the physical pain, some folks wondered if the pain of not winning MVP may have also been on his mind. I'm not mad. Um, no, that's two years in a row. Uh, you know, I put myself uh, in that position. It didn't happen. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like at this point is is whatever, whatever happens, happens. Um, you know, that's probably, you know, last year I campaigned about it. This year, you know, I answered uh, questions when I was asked. And, you know, in the next, you know, few years until I retire, it's almost like, you know, t to me it's just, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what else I, I, I have to do to win it. And to me, it's like, at this point, it's like, he's whatever. Uh, he's all about, you know, focusing. Not that I wasn't focused on the bigger picture, um, but, you know, it's really time to, like, really put, you know, all my energy into uh, the bigger picture, which is to win the whole thing. You know what, Big Perk? I'm, I'm just going to get us out of your way here and, and let you have the floor because I know you yeah. have some uh, yeah. thoughts and feelings about. Yeah, you know what? Play too. You know what? You know people want to say about Joel and B, he, him being in his feelings and him being emotional, and he's supposed to, and it's all right because he care. It's all right to want to win the MVP award, the highest regular season award that you can actually win in your career. It's all right to be disappointed in that. You know what? I'm tired. I'm not here for the Joel and B slander. This man has been playing through a slightly torn meniscus the majority of the season. This man got a, a broken bone in his face where we see boxes are laying up in hospitals behind. And so at the end of the day, he had to deal with Ben Simmons. Now he's dealing with James Harden, who's, who's not reliable for some reason. And I just feel for Joel and B. I voted for you, big fella. You had big perk vote. Well, and, and look, man, the stress of these awards can get to people. Look at Will Smith, man. <laughs> like the stress of these awards. Man. I'm just saying, man, people handle, people handle these emotional situations differently. All Joel and B did was have a bad game, right? Oh, you know, these, these Philly boys ain't handling these emotional situations very well. That's all I got to say. Maybe, Maybe he just needed a stress ball. So I have tape. I got little ears. So they gotta, you don't have I, to explain. I, so, no, I got little ears. So I got tape right here to keep this thing kind of in. It still barely stays in. And she just got tape. Yeah. No, you can't do it again. Don't. If you throw that at me one more I time. I miss this time. I just, I just don't know what's going like, on in that Philly water. Okay. In that what? We have that on film. In that what? That on in, in that, that Philly water. That Philly water. Wow. They're not handling these emotional situations very well. They need to figure that out. That's how, can I have my stress ball back so I can handle this emotional situation? Hey, hey, Joel, go handle your business, big fella. Yeah, but, but you I got, don't need the tape. You got that, yeah. that, that, we'll that hair.